podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Lawrence Conley to talk about the world of Celtic. Lawrence, how are you from uh, this time last week? I'm well, if, uh, you know, still a little disappointed in the performances but you know, we've got a big game on Thursday, we've got, you know, followed by another big game of the weekend uh, to try and keep our domestic cup run going, so it's, you know, maybe difficult times but they're also exciting times, at least they're interesting. They're always interesting now. The first comments have started coming in on our social media channels via Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. We have been awash with comments over the last few days, Lawrence. And um, the first one is from Stuart McDade. Let's get positive again. That's our best support right now. Um, It's difficult. There's a a whole different dynamic with regards to supporting Celtic at the moment because we can't be there. I remember a couple of weeks ago, Jim Moore, was saying that he believes that he can um, actually make a difference by being there as a fan. I think you do. I think you do. But it can become frustrating. And what we notice that then people obviously vent uh, online on social media. And again, that's uh, one of one of its uses. I think Lawrence. Let's go back to last week. Uh, last week we were sitting here on Tuesday, and we were looking ahead to Thursday night against Milan and then Sunday against Aberdeen. Well, this week we're looking forward to Thursday night against Lille and Sunday once again against Aberdeen. So let me just get some of your, your kind of hot takes, as Kevin Graham calls it, from the, the two games in between the, your last visit and now. See, yeah, uh, performances have improved. Milan's flying high in Italy. Obviously, they had a performance against them. Second half improved when they took some of the better players off. Defensively, we're still a bit at sea, aren't we? The, the, the defence isn't performing as it should, but maybe it's a reflection on that. I think we've got most of our injuries and issues in, uh, in, in that area. Yeah, yeah, so perhaps, you know, what is our best defence? You know, our formation keeps changing. Well, try to, I think everybody likes we from Pong, but we can see. You know, we can see he's lacking. He's trying to learn the position. Uh, you know, when the opposition have the ball. Often he's kind of he's a bit, wee bit high and wide. He, d- he doesn't get his distances right for the centre half. He doesn't get his line right. 
you know, ordinarily, you know, Milan flying high in Italy, would that have been a, a bad result? You know, especially the second half, we seem to come in here a bit. It's bad as in, you know, it's a defeat, but I thought second half, you know, you know the team has shown a bit of fight. The Aberdeen game, you know, again, defensive problems. Three each at Pataudry, you know, you know, Pataudry used to be a hard place to go. Is it becoming a hard place to go again? We let ourselves down defensively a, a couple of times, especially the last goal. The guy just seems to... There was an opportunity to take the Aberdeen player out. A few players could have taken him out in the halfway line and, st- and stopped the ball getting into Celtic box then. Fair enough, they've got a free kick they're going to throw in. We're defending a set piece then. It's, it's different from, from open play. Performances are, have improved. Is it improved enough to suggest we're going to beat Leo? Yeah. Let's let's take the next two games. Is it improved enough for you, Lawrence, to fill you any kind of confidence that we're going to go into our next game on Thursday night and then uh, you know meet Aberdeen again and come through two of those games with performances, but when it's a cup game as it is on Sunday with results? I mean, let's take the first game. We're going back to last year. We're looking at the group we were in last year: Ren, Cluj, Lazio. We topped that group. Two famous victories against an Italian club. We go into the game last Thursday on the back of a defeat, and you know, fair enough. We're we're chasing a two-two at the end of that game. Lawrence and the yep. aforementioned Frimpong hits a byline on one occasion, and if he finds a man, perhaps we've we've pulled it back to two-two. And a big part of that was the fact that Milan did take the foot off the pedal but I'm not taking away from the fact that there was an improved performance in the second half and then the third goal was a sucker punch wasn't it bad defensive display which we're going to talk about we're now going into this game against Lille and all I hear at the moment is you know let's focus on Sunday it's almost as if we've written off Europe already That that's a bit sad for me as a Celtic fan that when you compare it to last year where we're topping a Europa League group, which was a strong group. This is a very strong group as well. Don't get me wrong. You look at the Lille side. You look at how that's been made up and the cost to assemble that side. It's going to be a tough game. But it's almost as if we're we're already overlooking that game for Sunday. I think perhaps it's not Sunday we're overlooking for. I think people are so focused on 10 in a row that if you if you had to do a poll amongst the Celtic fans and say, you know, would you take losing every game in a Europa League group? but still getting 10 in a row. And then everybody would go, oh yeah, I'd, I'd grab that just now. I think people are, are so focused on 10 in a row, which is why the pressure's so high on the manager just now and on the squad. You've touched on, you know, fans not being at the ground. is is a kind of cathartic experience being at the ground. You know, you get event there. Whether, you know, you're helping the team or not, I think, you know, that the venting is now spilling over to social media a lot. Because of the release... Yeah, it's a release. release you know, you're yep. kind of disported elsewhere when you're at the game, aren't you? Uh, and, it, and it's a release for your frustrations, whether or not you, you are having a, an influence on the team. You certainly think you are, and you, you feel you're doing something. You, the, the, you do feel that, you know, in the big games, European games, you, you think back to Lazio last year and you think about, yeah, it doesn't always work. Copenhagen, it didn't work. 
You know, it was yep. you know the fans were there. We were all behind the, the side that didn't work then. But there are occasions where it just clicks, doesn't it? And you you actually feel as though you're willing them on. But that atmosphere at Celtic Park is world renowned yep. on European nights. That was lacking last week. Obviously, we didn't have that element. However big the margin is, it's difficult to quantify. Uh, but that is a way, and people are venting now on social media. I've seen a lot of the the use of the word hysteria, Lawrence. Is there hysteria? Well. I think there is, but I don't think all of it's hysteria. So, you know, people are allowed to have kind of fear comments and measured comments, but I think there's, there is a bit of hysteria on it, you know. That we, we And it's, you know, football's emotional for them, and Celtic's emotional, isn't it? You know, it's, it's in your heart, so it's hard not to be emotional about a club. For every supporter, whether, you know, they're saying stick where we are or make the change. Mm. There is a bit about it, but, you know, it's not that, it's not the sole thing about it, is it? You know, it's, you know, th- things are very, really black and white. So, yeah, I think there's a bit of hysteria, but but it's not the, so- the sole thing about it. You know, th- th- there's other things that we, I think everybody acknowledges whether they're saying, you know, change or not, that there's something not right at the club and the club, are, the club and the team aren't performing as we'd like them to do. Well, we'll come back to that, Lawrence, because you and I have different views. And that's what uh, I think a Celtic State of Mind does. I think there's a platform there whereby on a day-to-day basis on the bulletin, we have a different guest. You come in every Tuesday when you're able. Sometimes you can't, and uh, that's fine. And then on a match day, we often have different guests. So by the end of the week, you've had seven or eight different views. And there's no narrative. No one tells you this is your view. It's your view. It's a genuine view. And you disagree with me and I disagree with Kevin. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? To open up some um, debate. We also have the fans there uh, commenting on social media, YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. And it's great to get everybody involved. And I think we get a good cross-section of views. Um, And we will come back to the question around Neil Lennon, um, our manager, our gaffer. Uh, but let's let's finish up with a look at the European game because I do feel that there's a tendency at the moment to overlook uh, anything in Europe. Um, was that anything to do with the Champions League uh, knockout? Possibly there's an element of that. Is it more to do with the focus on the league title and 10 in a row? Now, there isn't just the prestige of winning a, a record-breaking 10th title in succession, uh, Lawrence. There's also... Uh, the small matter of the financial impact of not winning it. And I think that's obviously this week of all weeks when you're looking at the, the results, the financial results coming in. And uh, thankfully people break these things down for people who maybe don't like the, the facts and the figures. Others who might have run businesses can glance at these things and understand it um, immediately. But w- what is clear from looking at that, and, and even with the, the chairman's statement um, at the end, is, is the massive implications of covid you know, everybody realises that it's going to have a huge impact on football. So when we're looking at the financial impact as well as the football a- a aspect and the prestige of winning 10 in a row, it's absolutely monumental that Celtic win the league this season. Yeah, you've touched on financial. So we're led to believe that a COVID insurance or business interruption policy is the best of any club in Scotland. Mm. I don't think that'll cover over into next season. You know, that, that'll be... So... What does the Champions League bring? 20, 30 million? It's, the football marketplace as a whole is going to have changed. What kind of fees will we get for players? You know, what, what clubs are going to be left in a buying position? 
you know, across the world. COVID's Absolutely. having a, the yeah. impact. So player sales, I would say, is going to be, you know, we'll, I think we're all hoping, thinking that Eddie might have been the first £40 million player to, to, to be sold from Scotland. I, I don't see it now where the, where the football market's going. I think transfer fees are going to drop on average or, or, or median, whatever way you want to look at it, is going to drop. Certainly, you know, the big elite clubs that get all the TV money, mm-hmm. you know, may still have a lot to spend. Other ones way back in like Man City, PSG, Real Madrid, they may still have fortunes to spend. But the clubs that we tend to have been selling to, I think their budget's going to have dropped. If we don't win 10, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, isn't it? For any number of reasons. Yeah, for some Celtic for, fans. For some, for some. Uh, for any number of reasons, Lawrence, not just the performance aspect of that, but how the, the landscape of football is going to pan out after the pandemic and what Scottish football is going to look like. So there's so many reasons. Yeah, once in a lifetime, I think it's safe to say that it most certainly will be. Um, but again, you know, looking at the obviously the European aspect and the fact that you know it's one eye on the league, one eye domestically. We all want to win another treble. And the Aberdeen game on Sunday is all about last season's treble. Yep, unfinished business. I think Lenny's come out and said, you know, we need a performance. So I think that's all Europe is good for trying to get performance out of the team. I think the fans would gladly give it up to keep the treble, and definitely would give it up to keep you know to get ten in a row. The Aberdeen game, you know. It, it's going to be one or lost. We're 33, 34 domestic cup wins in the bounce, aren't we? Oh, it's a huge number. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, it's one of these ones that is one of the most remarkable aspects of the run is, is the cup run because yeah. everybody knows you have a bad day. Everybody knows we suffer from injury. We'll touch on that as well, Lawrence, when we're talking about this season. And to continually win cup games, one-off encounters uh, sometimes in difficult. You look at the run-up to this game, we've overcome teams like Clyde. That day at St Johnston, McDermott Park in the rain on a on a mucky, heavy pitch. one nothing. Ryan Christie. So yeah, it's been a long time coming this game and we will certainly be looking ahead to that. But again, I'm a bit saddened by the fact that you know last season's uh, European campaign, there was the whole Europa League uh, momentum that was building up there to the point where I felt we were going to get through against Copenhagen this year it's a bit of a damp squib people are looking at that almost as a distraction I, I think they are and I, I think we weren't going through as tough a time uh, as a team and as a club you know things were coming easier you know on the parties uh, I think people know we're struggling in the league the, 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 and I've not heard a lot of fans talking about keeping the cup going which is it's an amazing run we've got so far. Uh, I think people have just said, look, the, the thing of paramount importance is 10 in a row and that we win the league. Everything else, you know, it's a distant second. Well, I would like to progress on Sunday like everybody else. And I think a big part of that, uh, the work starts on Thursday. I said that last week yep. as well. If you want to get a result against Aberdeen, what you're hoping to do is to build some momentum, right? Uh, you're also hoping to identify, because I think this is one of the biggest issues, the best formation uh, to line up in, the best shape, and also the personnel. I was as surprised as everybody when the, the team line came out, because thankfully it didn't get announced on Friday night on a Celtic State of Mind this time round. But uh, the team line was, was named for Sunday, uh, Neil Lennon certainly tried to mix it up, Lawrence. What was the, the biggest surprise for you about the, the way we shaped up on Sunday? Well, people are saying Lennon doesn't know his best team uh, or his best formation. I think a lot is going to be governed by 
by injuries at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just injuries, but availability due to COVID. So I don't know if that falls into injuries. Yeah, I think Brown being dropped. Uh, it's yeah, got to be the biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's got to be biggest. Barkas, when he collided with Duffy, you're thinking, was he broke or bruised a rib there? You know how long? I, I don't know. I've not heard anything about saying that he has. But if he has, it's going to take him a wee while to come back. So, so Bain coming in wasn't completely unsurprised, you know, after watching the collision between Barkas and Duffy. I, I don't think Barkas has been dropped because he's performances, I, th- I think the stats are shots on target or something like that. There's been nine bit opposition and then, you know, they've scored eight in a, over the last three games. So, and I don't, when you looked at, at Barkas, on two of those three games, I don't think he's had a bad for performance. So, I th- it's definitely down to injury, I would say. Because he's not even on the bench in that squad. But I think Brown being dropped was the, was the big one. Griff's st- second, I would say Griff's still not been fit enough to start. Although he was deemed <clears throat> fit enough against Milan, yeah, it's... on the Thursday night. So was he dropped? I mean, I think that was more around the shape as well. Once he's come on, he scored the goal, and you know the celebration as well. It was you know, let's get this done. It was rather that than the spontaneous uh, celebration you would maybe expect. Again, he's come on twice in the last few weeks and scored two important goals for Celtic. He's shown us once again what he can do. Yep, I think yeah, uh, Griff. We had he not been there, uh, where it start Griff would you'd want Griff in your team, wouldn't you? You know, you'd want, I'd want Griff and the uh, ideally starting if Eddie's not fit. Well, obviously Lenny's put him on the bench. Uh, he's come on and scored, so maybe Lenny's argument is well, you know, he's come on and he's made a difference. You know, he, it's a striker that's scored, which is good because we, we, you know, we need, we need the goals. We're definitely lacking goals. You know, injury Forest. I think we're really missing Jamesy big time for his assists and his goals, uh, and what he gives on the gives us on the right hand side. But I, I think Brown being dropped was uh, was probably the biggest surprise. Well, let's talk about it because it's been spoken about, um, obviously on social media, as fans communicate massively on that platform, but also in the press. And uh, someone who I think has the respect of many in the press is Michael Stewart, and he's been speaking about uh, how to use Scott Brown effectively. And um, how to rest them and when to rest them, I think, is what the important thing. I think going into a battle against Aberdeen and Pataudry, it was a surprise to many of us, if not all of us, when Brown was rested for that game. Um, I mean, was he that bad against Milan on Thursday night? I, I just felt that in a game like that where, you know, you've got Incham basically playing, yeah. um, Brown is, you know, historically been one of the main men up at Pataudry. And, and we keep harking back, yeah, you've got to play your best your best 11. Of course you do, but he's the captain. He's the captain yeah. as well, so you lose a bit of that during the game because he's sitting on the sidelines like everybody else there just uh, watching the action. I was surprised, I think, when we predicted the team lines with uh, Jim. O- this week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Or on Friday, there was no question Brown starts. You know, you think of some of the games Brown could be rested in, Aberdeen would never be one of them. Does he come back in for Thursday night? You think Aberdeen's the second hardest place to go in Scottish football? You know, Pataudry, isn't it? It's so what's the second hardest away game for us, I would say, would be Pataudry. Yeah, potentially. So, yeah, it's just amazing they get dropped. I, 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 and I don't think it, it was bad enough against Milan. Maybe Lenny just wanted to try something different. He's thinking things aren't working. I, need to, I really need to change things up. But for me, it wouldn't have been a game you'd arrested in a man. No. It, it might be, you know, your mother always St Johnston games are games you'd more expect, expect him to be rested in. Does he come in against Lille? The team's really needing a performance. Lenny's trying to change things up. Does he save Brown for Aberdeen Cup game? Maybe, maybe that'll be on Lenny's mind whether he plays against Lille. But, so, what's Lenny thinking? For me, if I was picking a team, Scott Brown would be in there. I think we need his experience in Europe. Has Lenny, like a lot of Celtic fans said, well, Europe's kind of secondary here. Could he use this to try and sort out his team, try and get performance, try a formation that works and, and drop Brown? I would say it'd be the, the wrong thing to do. I, I'd have Scott Brown in the team. When you look at the, the season as a whole, rather than just uh, through this, you know, at the moment, the, the tunnel vision of game by game, which it seems to be at the moment, uh, I think that's one of the biggest issues we have. There doesn't seem to be a bigger plan. A big part of that, Lawrence, is down to the fact that there's loads of players missing through illness and injury. Um, and what I said today on Twitter in response to some criticism is that that is merely a mitigating factor in what's been happening because the, the nature of the performances with and without those mentioned in terms of the injury list uh, and those out with, with illness have never been good enough this season. I mean, I, th- I keep asking people, give me your best three performances of the season. We've played every team once and we've played a number of European games and people struggle to give me three full games. Again, this isn't a, a podcast today where I'm going to go over old ground, but I do think that when you're looking um, at that and you're looking at the fact that we can't even give three brilliant performances this season, that's a concern beyond the injuries and beyond the illness. Um, and in, in the my responsive tweet today, it was in relation to the fact that you know um, there was a claim that Celtic's performances, uh, you know, a big part of that was down to bad signings as well. Now, if that if that's the case, you're looking at who who are we talking about here with the, in, in reference to bad signings? And apparently, the bad signings is the fault with the head of recruitment. Now, if that's the case, there's a couple of questions there. Firstly. Is the head of recruitment only um, you know, responsible for the, the bad buys? Do we give Lenny the credit for the good ones? You know, who's responsible for bringing in Frimpong? Um, you know, I don't subscribe to that. It's a collective responsibility for players coming in. And also, it begs the question, Lawrence, when we go back to getting bounced out of the Champions League last season and the refusal to play Julien and Bolingoli, who were on the bench that night and immediately thrown into the team the next week by which time it was too late. £10 million worth of talent sitting on a bench in our biggest game of the season with Callum McGregor playing left back. Is that due to um, bad signings on on the part of the head of recruitment and the gaffer saying I'm not playing them because they're not my signings? Because if so, there are deeper issues. 
And that's come from a very good source close to Neil Lennon, who tweeted that. And now, obviously I responded to it today. I would say that recruitment, I think, when the transfer window shut, uh, and I didn't hear any complaints on it about any of the signings or the, co- the financial backing that the board had given the manager this year. I actually thought people felt that... They'd push, push the boat out. Yeah, we'd, we'd push the boat out. That boat may you know, have sunk and everybody may be at shore, but... I think it's not quite sunk yet. Yeah, I think everybody. Uh, the, I think the sport was, you know, pleasantly surprised how much investment the board had put into the signings. Which signings have been bad this year? Uh, Duffy's had a, a few uh, mistakes, but I think that's maybe reflective of the defence not playing well as a as a whole. Mm-hmm. Laxalt is only just in the door. I've not seen a bad performance from him. No, not yet. He's yeah, he's well. given his, you know, he's given his good goal return, isn't he? Last couple of games, but again, he's coming back from injury. Yeah. Lawrence, on a whole, I think we were raving about um, a Yeti fairly recently, yeah. and that doesn't change. You don't just, I don't change from one to the, uh, you know, you're looking at three signings from EPL sites. Uh, you're looking at someone from AC Milan who has, you know, starred on the world stage for Uruguay. You're looking at Scotland's brightest prospect. You're looking at Celtic's most expensive goalkeeping signing. Yeah. That was a decent window. Yeah, I mean, Barkas is a wee bit of criticism, but I, I, th- I think unfairly, I think Barkas is... He's not had a lot to do. Uh, he looks good with the ball at his feet. His distribution's been good. Turnbull, we've not seen a lot of. I don't think, looking at the recruitment and the investment that the board's given, I, I think this has been a better window than most of us. I find it, personally, uh, based on what we've just done there, having a, a quick look at the signings, I think it, it's a tactical deflection if you're, if you're simply going to say it's all down to bad signings, it's all down to injury, it's all down to illness. It's not. Though, I mean, everything's a cumulative effect, but... <laughs> On signings, I would say that the Celtic board and the head of recruitment has done a better job than they've done. You know, the terms Were of financial backing. you coming out yet, Lawrence? Definitely, yeah, the think, transfer window. But I think everyone in the Celtic sport was, I think yeah. everybody was shocked and went, look at, we're actually pushing the boat out. Look at the amount of money we're spending. Mm. We're buying people to slot into the first team. We're not buying projects. Would we call David Turnbull a project? I don't know, he's, he's a seasoned SPL pro, I know he's young. He's a seasoned SPL pro, we know he can do it. He's a heady sorrow in the pecking order, I would say. So what do you I, reckon? I wouldn't say he was a project. No. You know, he is a seasoned First team SPL player, pro. absolutely. So I think everyone across the Celtic sport said, look, actually the club's shown great ambition here and we've been doing what we've been crying out for. We stopped with the projects and we're sending first team starters. Mm-hmm. No, so I yeah. think when yeah. the window shut, I think that was more, I think unanimously, I think that was a, more or less unanimously across the Celtic support said, even a good transfer window. It just concerns me uh, gravely when someone close to Neil Lennon um, is blaming the head of recruitment. And then I start looking at other signings that have come in under uh, Lennon's tenure. And the one thing that springs to my mind is the failure to play £10 million worth of talent last season against uh, against Cluj. Is that because that was down to the head of recruitment rather than, than Neil Lennon? If so, that that's fairly con- concerning. Even though we know the, the whole makeup of a signing in... Uh, football these days it isn't solely down to the manager it, yep. you know he may identify some players and it was the same first time round as well players are, are presented to the gaffer you know well, the players are presented to to man who has this la- the last say in, in whether or not that player is signed it's not always been the case you know there's scouts out there you, you, you know we, we need people at games Lenny can't go to all the games that, that Celtic we need to to, to unearth gems like you know whether it's a Van Dijk or Wanyama or whoever so 
it's always been collective, the, the signings, but the head of recruitment, I think, has done a cracking job. And it, by and large, I, I don't know what kind of success we are looking for from players, but I think most of those signings are, are going to be good signings for Celtic and have proved to be so far. The big thing as well, people may say, well, how can you say give the players time if you're you're saying don't give Neil Lennon any more time? I think the player, when you're looking at the personnel and, and you're looking at the squad, uh, the wider squad launch, I think we've got what we need to get us through this season, yep. to get us 10 in a row, to ensure that we continue domestically as we have done. Europe is a completely different question this season, as we've already uh, discussed, but I think we do have the personnel. Um, I think Celtic have played as a dysfunctional team this season. I think that's the best way to describe them. Yep. Uh, you know, the team line comes out. You don't know from one week to the next who's going to be playing, what shape we're going to be playing in. I'm not ready to write off Shane Duffy. I'm not ready to write off Barkas um, at this stage. You know, Duffy. You know, he's had dental surgery. He's played. He's playing in a in a, a lot more games than he's used to. You know, in a short period of time. And he doesn't know uh, the def- I don't suppose he knows the defensive line up for one week to the next. Whether that's injury or, or team selection or formation, it's, it's cumulative of all, of all three, isn't it? Yeah, they've been rested before now, Lawrence. Uh, if we had Beaton, El Hamid and Julian fit, he'd have been rested because of some of his performances, you might have taken him out that's, for a couple of games. Well, you might have had Julian and Duffy as your centre-half, higher at right-back, and Laxalt at left-back, and it might have, you know, things might have been different with that kind of defence. I'm going to ask you about your, your team and how you're thinking about that. Are you going to approach a predicted team, Lawrence, with uh, Aberdeen in mind in terms of, well, I'm just going to park Europe to one side this season because I, I think that's maybe the way you're going? Or do you say, well, in order for us to get a performance against Aberdeen, let's try and pick the team and play them against Lille and try and get that understanding Particularly in the in the defence, I think we've got to pick the defence that's going to face Aberdeen. Yeah, going forward, I'm not I'm not too sure if it'll rest midfield or, or forwards, but I think we've got a bit more. We've definitely got more options in midfield, more fit options. Oh, so sh- that, that that's stuff that we can justify moving about. In, but the defence needs to get settled and needs to get settled soon. So I think looking ahead to Thursday, and uh, a lot of this will need to be confirmed in terms of fitness. But it looks as though you know Barkas is going to miss a couple of games. So um, you start with Bain. Yeah, you've got to start with Bain. And then is it a back four you're going to go for? Are you going to stick with the three? How how do you work it? Because you've already said you don't think Duffy kind of suits the back three. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- I don't think he's got the passing ability or consistent passing. Accuracy to be the, the spare man in a back three, which you need all three of them. You've got Julian, that. you know, that, that's what Julian's job at, exactly. You, you can give the ball to Julian, he's got the passing, you? yep. And I think uh, he's probably missing the luxury of having somebody like that who can spray the, the passes well, around. Aya can do it, Julian can do it. And if you had a third one that could do it, you can go right, let's go back three. And, and the SPL would probably get away with him not being able to pass and being able to lay off to Aya and Julian because it gives you two options. Just now in the back three, it's been higher. I would probably go with a back four if possible, and it's, it's going to depend to his fit. Diego at left back. Would you? No Taylor? No. Taylor, Taylor was someone you stood up for all season, yeah, I, Lawrence. I, I, I really like Taylor. Uh, he's, he's been taking out the team and we've, we've not performed in the three games that yeah, he's missed. He, he's, he's got great stats for us, but Diego's shown enough in a... I think it's an eye to the Aberdeen game. That we need to set up the defence soon. 
and I think Europe's maybe a bit of a luxury for us this season that we've got a chance to put in a, a defence that l- let's try and get some understanding before Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. So drop Diego in. Who's going to be fit? Because uh, I'd like to try Ayer at right back. And ideally, you know, I'd like Beaton and Julian to centre-halves. But who's going to be fit for us? Well, the, the talk after the game um, around maybe Alhamid coming back in for the for the game, we'll need to wait and see. Obviously, with, with any updates over the next couple of days. But again, in terms of a right back, it, it you know it would certainly solidify that that area of the park. Uh, Frimpong for me is an offensive player. I've said it so many times on here. And if you're going to go over there against a, a side like Lille and not have a, that solid back line, and you know that has been suspect over a number of weeks, Lawrence, then it could get to a stage where it's going to be quite an embarrassing result. So I think it is important to shore up the back line. Yep. And, um, you know, El Hamid's a defender first and foremost. So, yeah, if it's depending on on fitness, isn't it? If it's going to have to be Iron Duffy again, it'll have to be Iron Duffy. Who, who are we going to have fit at centre-half to play? Right-back for me, it's just not Frimpong. I think we're developing him as a right-back. We've touched on it. He's distance from the centre-halves and, and the position he takes, he takes too high up up the pitch, I think, for a right-back. Uh, you know, perhaps for a right-wing-back, his position's right, but even then, I think he, he's too high up up the park and too far too far away from whoever the, the centre-half is he should be next to. So, I don't think it's a game for Frimpong. Uh, he's done well in Europe. He's done well in Europe. Yeah, Sorry, I, I, I would say he beats, he beats players and he looks good. I'm not too sure on his final ball either. From Paul, what what he gets, I think I think he needs to start weighing in more in terms of assists. Uh, but you know, he's a young player we're developing. If I, every young player coming in was the finished article, well, I don't think he'd be at Celtic with you when he got a hold of him. Uh, so we need to develop him, and I don't think the next two games are the, the games to do that in. I think we need to solidify that back line and start getting you know a performance of results. I think we need. Manager said, you know, we, we need a win again, a performance and a win. Certainly, for me, a performance against Lee would do as long as we get the, the win against Aberdeen at the weekend and keep the cup run going. Yeah, because you, you just can't write off any games, Lawrence. This is my point, um, because in order to get the momentum running, in order to get the uh, understanding between partnerships on the park, every game, for me, is important to the next. So if you're looking ahead to Aberdeen, Lille is, you know, very important for that. The lineup that I, at the moment, will go for, and this changed about three or four times leading up to the Rangers game for obvious reasons, is being in goals, it would be Barcasts. I would let them, you know, continue to try and develop a partnership at the back, you know, uh, rather than drop them. But Bain would be getting a jersey due to any injury of Barcast. I'd bring Taylor back in at left back. I would be playing El Hamid at right back with Duffy and Ayer in the centre. And again, looking to Duffy's experience to come through the patch uh, that he's currently in, which is uh, far from impressive, but I think he's got enough about him. He's got the experience to come through it, Lawrence. Yep. Um, and I think that with the the, the back four, it makes it a wee bit better on Thursday night. I would still play Brown and McGregor in my engine room with uh, Frimpong, more of a right winger, and Laxalt, more of a left winger. Christian Griffiths up top. Christian not playing up front as such, but can he play an off Griffiths? And I think Griffiths gets the jersey from a Yeti. Uh, based on the performance at the weekend. That's yeah. the way I would line up. Uh, midfield, I would maybe go uh, 
I think I'd, I'd put two in, in front of defence. Uh, Brown and McGregor? I'd like to try and push McGregor up a wee bit and maybe put Brown and Turnbull in there. Give, give, give to, there's something not working in midfield as well, isn't there? You, you, you know, and we've got the luxury of moving that about. If we can get set up back line, Brown and Turnbull. And I'd, I'd start with Griff up top mm-hmm. and then I'd have three behind Griff. Uh, I'd have Frimpong on the right. You've still got Christy and McGregor. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, and Christy McGregor, yeah. Yep. It's sometimes it's the balance actually when you're looking at that lineup against Aberdeen um, on Sunday there. It was a the balance of that. There were so many creative players started that game for Celtic. And it was sometimes difficult actually to see how it was going to work. You know, if you've yep. got El Yunusi, you've got Cham, Christie, Roger, all in the same, you know, playing in the same midfield um, areas. So I, I found that difficult. I think that, that, you know, this would give us more balance. So I'm going for Bain, Elhamid Taylor, Duffy Ayer. Brown McGregor, Frimpong, Laxalt, Christie and Griffiths. If we had a fully fit team, um, a fully fit complement of stars, what changes they're making there? That's an interesting, you know, Julian comes back in. Um, at this moment in time, if he was fit, he would be playing ahead of Duffy simply based yep. on performances. Uh, Edward would start any game for me even though he's off form at the moment. I just think he's got something that can change a game, Lawrence, that nobody else and I include Griffiths in this, the way that, that uh, Eduard um, has regressed this season, I don't think it's a permanent thing. I really don't. I just think it's a loss of form. Um, obviously, he's been ill. It might take some time for him to come back in. I think he might be in the squad, from what we've heard, that he might be in the squad. But again, you need to just you know build that back up and put him back in. Griffiths probably felt a bit aggrieved getting dropped after yep. Thursday night. I don't think he played tremendously well, but... It was part of his own uh, recovery and comeback, isn't it? And then he's back on the bench. He's come and scored a goal. I think he deserves a jersey. Uh, yeah, he was particularly poor. Um, this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Against Aberdeen, but I think, again, it doesn't suit him to play... As a lone striker, Griffiths can play a lone striker. Yep. Or he can play as part of a partnership up there. That's how I'm going to start on Thursday night. Let's go on back to some of the comments coming through. Stuart McDay started off by telling us to get positive. Scott Graham. What's there to be positive about? We're awful. What we've got positive to, to be positive about, I think, would be, as, as a collective, we still have a very, very strong squad. And I take on board that we've got illness and injury at the moment and they're all, all going to come back for us, Lawrence, and obviously that's going to improve and, and strengthen the starting 11. Of course it is. I mean, just having El Hamid back makes picking that team a lot easier straight away. Well, if it, how fit's El Hamid going to be? Is he definitely back? Is For me, I'd definitely like to try Ayer at right back if we had everyone fit and try Julian and Duffy in the middle of that and Diego at left back. But yeah, you know, well, Hammond's a lot more solid defensively in Frimpong, isn't he? I, I, I just can't... Play a tune him. 
I don't think we can persevere with Frimpong at right back or right wing back just now. The team's struggling. I think he's he is weak defensively. So you play it, him as well. I'm playing, playing him as playing one right. of the the three yeah. behind yeah. the striker. Yeah, yeah. You, you that's where I'm playing him. Yeah. Is it? I just don't think we can persevere with him at right back or right wing back. But I think we do need. That's a change that definitely needs to be made. You need somebody behind him, Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, even against Aberdeen, this isn't an opportunity for me to criticise Frimpong. But against Aberdeen, when we were breaking and then Aberdeen uh, countered. You were actually waiting for Frimpong to come onto the screen, and sometimes he didn't even appear on that screen because he was so far up the park. If you've got him as part of the three behind Griffiths, uh, Laxalt, Frimpong give you good balance on the left and right with Christie in the middle. Christie is the most creative player that we've got at the club, and he's going to create um, chances on Thursday night as well. So uh, I believe that uh, Frimpong stays in the team, but we need to play to his strengths. He's definitely learning the defensive side, and I think it's. It's too weak to kind of persevere with him just now. So, yeah, it's it's the change. It needs to, definitely one of the changes that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, some of the other comments coming in. Alex Hayden, here's an interesting one. Uh, the club needs support. But after Sunday, I've lost all faith in Lennon taking us forward. We have been turgid all season and need either technical coaches brought in or Lennon out and a new manager in. So, Alex... Thanks for getting involved. You're commenting on YouTube. Anybody who is watching on YouTube, uh, get involved, absolutely. But also subscribe because we've got massive amounts of content coming out already, Lawrence. We've got even more coming. There's other Celtic State of Mind shows being developed um, that we can start recording in the studio. So there's going to be loads more content. It's all free on a Celtic State of Mind. And I said this morning as well, it's also a podcast, so the podcast is available later on in the day. You find that on iTunes and on Speaker and Acast and all the other places that you find your podcasts on. And we're currently sitting nicely in the top 20 of the official iTunes UK chart, Lawrence, which is brilliant because the podcast is where it all started and that's something that we're still passionate about. But it's great to be in there because you're actually in there in amongst the big boys, really. You're in there with the likes of Arsenal, Manchester City, Man United. All their official podcasts are in there. Uh, you know, in the higher yeah. echelons of the chart, so it's great to be in there. Well, Thanks everybody for tuning in. I think the, the viewer or contributor, whatever, makes a good point on, on technical coaches. The club's obviously brought in Gavin Strachan. Yes. And if we break that down the park into, I suppose, goalkeeping, defence, midfield, and forwards. Well, no one's ever got any, any concerns with Stevie Woods as a goalie coach. Yeah. You so, know, look so at so the work got, he's done. We think we've got the keeper covered. Yeah. Do we have a defensive coach? Do we have a midfield coach? And do we have a forward coach? Now, John Kennedy's there, but I think you, you've said Peter Law said he's not the defensive coach. He's not, he's not a defensive coach. That, that's so, not his, his sole responsibility is not to coach the defenders. So, who is? I don't think we have one, do we? And by the way, Peter didn't tell me that because I don't have contact with Peter <laughs> Law. Um, before anybody thinks that I do, I certainly do not. That, that was actually brought up and I think it was a fans forum, which I wasn't there, but Kevin Graham was there. And it was confirmed we don't have a specific defensive coach. So I don't think we've got a midfield coach and we don't have a forward coach. And I think it, it's three positions that Stevie Woods has done probably with goalkeepers. Would it not work with defenders? Would it not work with midfielders? Would it not, not work with forwards? Uh, you know, Larson's at Barcelona is the, the forward coach, isn't he? Ah, oh, we missed the boat. Well, we could bring in Big John. I mean, we definitely don't win enough in the air. Big Hartson's got to be what we should teach people how to win stuff in there you would hope it all depends I think on the larger issues that that Mark raised and you know it's something we've spoken about all week Lawrence I made my views known 
my views, my own personal views known on the situation and I explain why I feel that change is necessary. And even this morning, you know, people disagree with that and that's all right. Disagree, that's no problem, that's fine. Criticise even. Uh, but the abuse side of things, that's unacceptable in any walk of life and that that's not something that anybody should ever accept simply because someone has a different view. It doesn't make me any less of a Celtic fan than you because I think that it's time up and you don't. You know, yeah, they're no, all Celtic yeah, fans. I think you can down the fascist route there if you're, you're not allowed yeah, to disagree. Yeah, they're all Celtic fans, lost, doesn't exactly. it? You can down, down that route. But I think, cracking point, we should have technical coaches. We've bought Gavin Strachan in. Could we replicate in other three areas of the pitch what Stevie Woods does? I tell you, we'd be doing well if we did because his record's been excellent uh, yeah. since he came in at Celtic, isn't it? So I, I think it's something there the club should be looking at. We should be looking at getting a four coach, a midfield coach and a defence coach in. And, you know, for me, I'd, I'd grab Big Hearts and I think, you know, he's, he's on record saying he, he, he'd walked to Celtic Park to, to get that job. He did, aye, he did. Um, the question was raised when we were allowed back in the day, Lawrence, to do question and answer sessions in public and people were able to actually be in the same yep. room as each other. And the question was raised about, you know, working with Lenny because he speaks so passionately about Neil Lennon, yep. which is understandable. Um, and he says, you know, he, he would he would walk on broken glass to Celtic Park to, to coach. And I, I, I think, don't think the striker's an issue at the moment. I really don't. I think we've got four strikers. One's yep. not available for inclusion at the moment. But I think it is... A defensive issue, which, by the way, once we get the personnel back, that that it might evaporate. Sort of, yeah, might yeah. evaporate just because it's a, it's not a manifesting itself as an issue. That I think contributes right. We would benefit by having specialist coaches in these areas, specialist technical coaches, and maybe it'll also benefit Lenny the fact that he, you know he has friends with Hartson. It'd be one of his backers coming in, one of his own team, so to speak. So I th- think it's something that that the club should be looking at putting that structure in place. Well, that, again, you mentioned last week, and you got a bit of flack for it, but I'll mention it anyway, Lawrence, because we're pals, um, <laughs> about getting the, the gang back together. I, I guess that there was quite a good uh, cross-section there when you look at the old the old team that Lenny had with Mialby, Thompson, and, you know, you had Lenny's a midfielder and you've got the, the kind of forward offensive player in Thompson, you've got the defensive player in Mialby. I am not for a moment saying we need to get them back because I don't yeah. think that's the case at all. But, you know, for some balance and... I do have some concerns, I've got to say, about the kind of fragmented nature of the, the coaching setup at the moment. And um, it is difficult due to the restrictions anyway for for them to be, uh, you know, this, this kind of egg, as it were, um, and nothing is able to, to uh, get into that other than the three. I, I, think, I think that there seems to be a bit of a, a, you know, a breakdown there with regards to the staff. And it's almost as if there's three individuals. Rather than a collective. Definitely appears that way. It's party that they're not Lenny's people. I think party is, you know. One of them's new in. What's he going to bring? You know, it, it takes a while to establish working relationships, doesn't it? It'll take a while for it, for his coach and, you know, Strachan's coach and whatever he's teaching the, the players to manifest itself in the park. He's not just going to come in and change things overnight, you know. And also replace, day, replace someone who is particularly popular. Yep. And uh, Damien Duff. Yeah, so hopefully striking, you know, if if he's anywhere near as good a coach as his father was, yeah, I think that, that'll be a positive move for the club. But there does seem to be something amiss within the coaching team. What it is, we don't know. You know, but there definitely seems to be something not working well. 
the DJ of choice who comments fairly regularly on this, so welcome back. And you are talking about Barkas should start on Thursday. I think the reason I didn't pick him, actually, um, I wasn't dropping him because I agree, I would still pick Barkas, but I think he's still injured for Thursday, is he not? I think he might be. I mean, that was some, some collision with him and Duffy, yeah. And I'd be worried he might be out for a while. If he, I don't know what the injury is, but it looked like, you know, like it could be a bruise or a broken rib or something, so... That they would take another week to heal. So I would have Barkas in front of Bain, yep, but Scott Bain. I think he's, he's a good deputy. He's yeah. a good backup, uh, without a doubt. But there is a point um, following on from that saying that people are too quick to roast him. But he has better stats than Foster or Gordon in his first 12 games. And what I'm just looking for at the moment is I did have a, a list of uh, stats in relation to goalkeepers. Uh, which I just can't put my finger on at the moment but you're absolutely right the stats for some of the goalkeepers you would expect you know within their first dozen games if you like um, aren't as impressive as you would expect Um, so yes it it does take time for goalkeepers to settle of course it does and I think that we we do have the right man in Barkas I think a lot of the uh, early criticism on, on the goalie was unfair and you know we stood up for him on this podcast when it was coming from some of the mainstream channels didn't we? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Fraser Foster's a better keeper than Barkas. I don't think he's as good with his feet, but as a short stopper, from what I've seen of Barkas, I think Foster's better. But that, that ship sailed, and that was Foster's decision, not Celtic's decision. Mm. I think Barkas looks as if he's going to be a good goalkeeper for Celtic, and yeah, I'd put my ahead of Bain if he was fit. Here we go then. All right, this is the first 13 games, just to share it with uh, some of you for a wee bit of light entertainment. First 13 games... Um, goals conceded by Celtic goalkeepers in their first 13 games for the club. Pat Bonner, 14. Fraser Foster, 11. Rab Douglas, 10. Carol Muggleton, 9. And Arthur Boric, 7. So there you go. Sometimes stats do lie. <laughs> well, but, but Muggleton sent a, sent a shutout record. And he's f- he did? Didn't he, he did. Know, it was five or six games or something? I'm not comparing Muggleton to Barkas. Come on, stop <laughs> but, it. We'll stop that right so, now. Sorry, I'm, I'm just thinking back to... McCarry's days. Now, now there, there were tough times when you compare that to where we are now. You know, going oh, for course. fourth and fifth treble, ten in a row. This is where again, Lawrence, the minute you've got a, an opinion that doesn't match with um all singing, all dancing, you know, with regards to Celtic and, you know, keep the faith, which I love the expression keep the faith. I love the fact that you know, it was adopted by the Northern Soul scene as well as anything else and obviously Celtic have adopted it and I do love that and I do keep the faith but I don't keep the blind faith, Lawrence. That's the one big thing. I don't keep blind faith. No, I think everyone's got to be measured, you know, it's... You know, I think we all support Neil Lennon and want him to do well. You know, people are going to have different opinions on his ability. doesn't mean that you're going to offer him less support does it no absolutely no. not absolutely not you know it's you know I've supported a- I've supported every single Celtic manager in my lifetime yep. I've supported every manager um, there are some that I agree with there's some that I don't agree with but I've supported every Celtic manager and um you know, some of them, as you say, when you hark back to the, the bad old days, <laughs> yeah. they weren't great managers. Um, now, Red Scotland, Barkas is a decent keeper. Duffy needs a settled back four to play with so that Julien and Ayer can do his running and he can do the rough stuff. The rest need integrated. We need to step it up. I think when you're looking at that, I think Duffy came in because Neil Lennon fancied the three at the back. 
And I, I think there's been a change in plan there. So when, if and when Julian gets fit before the turn of the year, and I hope he does because he's been sent away to Germany for some surgery, hasn't he, on his back. Yep. Um, when that actually happens, it might not be a back three. So you're maybe picking two from the three. Uh, and we're then looking at our full-backs. The full-backs, you know, we're quite slim on the right-hand side. We've got Elhamid Ayer, as you say, can cover there. You're then moving to the realms of um, Ralston if you don't, Include Frimpong. Yep. If you don't include Frimpong as a right back. Yep. Uh, left back, again, we don't have great options because of the ball and golly situation. So you've got Taylor, like Salt can play there, although he looks more of an offensive player. To be honest, I think that's two international left backs. I, I think that is two great options we've got. I think we're stronger at left back than we're at right back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what's below them, you know, those two, is, is maybe not as, as strong. But I think that, that now that we've got Diego in, You've got Taylor, whose stats have been impressive. I think he's a decent left back, defensively very sound. There's a lot of criticism why he doesn't beat a man often enough. His, his crossing's not good enough. But yeah, for, for me, I think he's a good left back. So Diego's looked good when he's come in. Mm-hmm. No, I think I've been very impressed with what I've seen, and you know, it's not been an ideal start for him yep. when you look at the, the three games that he's appeared in, Lawrence. So. I would hope for a, a victory for for him and for the rest of us as well. Uh, my man says 67, welcome back. You're commenting on YouTube to say that Lennon, uh, well, let's have a wee think back to when Lennon was 15 points behind and three now down to Kelly. The rest is history. There were other aspects of that. I mean, I'm, I'm a massive um, romanticist. I wouldn't say a historian. I love the Celtic history and I study it and research it regularly, Lawrence. There were other aspects at play that season, granted. But yeah, he's, he's admitted himself at half-time, 3 nothing down, um, that his job was on the line. And he says that to the players at the time. Yeah, I mean, even go back to when he Ross County semi-final, when, when he was cleared. I was surprised that after that result, he got the job. But he did, you know, he, he, he's been on and he's been successful for us as a manager. He's turned things round in the past. Uh, you know, we all want him to turn it round again. You we know, do, we do. You know, while, he, while he's still in position, I think everyone would, would give him 100% support and turn that around. Well, the support's different from whether or not you think a change needs to be made. No, you're right. I, 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 I'm not going to stop supporting Celtic if I, I disagree yep. with who plays right back or who's in charge or who the CEO is. I support Celtic first and foremost and everything else comes and goes. Uh, the fans never do. But when it comes to my view on the situation and, um, you know, my man says bringing up some great memories of that comeback at, at Rugby Park. I don't think this Neil Lennon is the same Neil Lennon. I really don't. And I, and what I mean by that is, um, as an individual, as a manager, um, I'm looking at Neil Lennon and I've seen loads of concerns in relation to, you know, some of the um, shots we've seen of his demeanour, even when we scored a goal uh, to go 3-2 up against Aberdeen and uh, the lack of bite um, from that. You've also got to take that into account. You've got to take into account, Lawrence, the effect that this is having on Neil Lennon. Now, whether or not, uh, you know, it it is having an effect that there's going to be a pressure, there's going to be stress and anxiety and all of these things associated with that, we know that Neil Lennon has suffered previously uh, and possibly uh, currently with with mental health issues. And I take all of that into consideration. So I think, um, you know, when you're looking at the situation, that is one of the massive factors you also need to consider and whether or not, you know, he's in a position to turn it around, I think is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a saying, you never meet the same man twice. Uh, 
we know Lenny said he struggles. Sometimes, you know, managers have a shelf life. I think Gon Strachan said he reckons it's three years. You know, even Celtic as a club, when you look back to Jock Steen, they decided, you know, that time is up for Big Jock, didn't they? Uh, can Lenny turn that around? Is he going through? Is, is he suffering uh, troubles again? Maybe he is suffering troubles again. And that will have an effect on his ability to, to do the job or not. Or how he performs in the job. Listen, if we beat Leo when we beat Aberdeen, you know, it would go a long way to getting kind of the season back on track, wouldn't it? It'd certainly keep the fourth treble in a row on track. Uh, but yeah, you know, Lenny's struggling, as is the, the, the team. I think we all hope that he can turn it around. You know, we'd all give him every support and trying to turn it around. And it, it's going to, it's not going to be down to us. It's going to be down to, I suppose, Dermot Desmond and Peter Law. And if they do decide to make a change, it's it's when do you make the change and who do you bring in? And how is it made? How is it made? Because changes can be made without, um, you know, everything that would uh, surround a sacking. You know, the, the changes can be made in different ways, Lawrence. If indeed um, that would be bad for Neil Lennon, that would be a priority in my mind. It would be a priority in. Uh, those in the highest echelons of Celtic Park. So any change that needs to be made uh, needs to be thought out in various different ways. And and a big part of that is Neil Lennon. So if we've got if Celtic have a manager that's suffering from illness at the moment, I, th- I think that's what you're saying that's having an, an impact. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Well, I, I'm saying a possibility. The Neil Lennon that I look at um, on the sidelines right. for Celtic isn't the same Neil Lennon that I would expect so, to see even from last season. So it's a possibility that he may be suffering from illness again. That that's could be All I'm saying is there's, there's a lot of stress on Neil well, Lennon in doubt. this season. I'm not so, for a moment speculating that he's suffering from mental illness. Right. So but I think you've got the, to consider it's, it's all a of these aspects. And uh, if it is, I'd expect you know, Celtic would be given every support that they could. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Uh, how the change would be made if they, if they were to make a change, I think they would still look after Lenny. I, I don't think it would be, you know, whether a change is made because of illness or just performances or just they think time's up of all or these a combination of, of everything. I think they would, as a club, they would still look after Lenny. How the change would made would be made and who you bring in. It's going to be who, who's going to be available. Are you bringing them into the end of the season? Are you, you know? Would it be a temporary change just now? Well, that would depend on the reason why the change would be made. You know, if it's a combination of everything and you just think Lenny's reached the end of the road, you know, as a Celtic manager, then that's different from if you just kind of want to give a, a bit extra support in the role. And could it be like someone like I think Kev's tape for the penalty spot set, you know, suggested striking, come in and give him a hand? Could it be someone come in just to give him a hand to get him over this? This patch could it be, you know, maybe we do look at bringing in a director of football or, you know, other coaches, you know, maybe experienced football managers, but bring them in as defensive coaches, midfield coaches. You know, there's options open to the club, isn't there? It depends on what the very specific issues are. Um, and there obviously are a number uh, when you look at what we know, not what anybody's speculating, Lawrence, what we know as Celtic supporters, in terms of undermining the manager by flying to Spain during, you know, yeah. exactly, right? So, Ball and Golly coming back from pre-season unfit 
in relation to Griffiths, the leaks. Um, so players apparently, according to Neil Lennon, who don't want to be at the club, which was part of his post-match interview after the Ferenc Varos game, um, kind of backtracked a wee bit on that, probably after being spoken to by other people at Celtic Park. So there's other issues, no speculation. Uh, a lot of people hear you talking about issues. The issues are there for all we see. It's not as though anybody is saying, we're in the know, we're not telling you. These are the things that everybody knows has been happening this season. He's definitely got a lot on his plate, hasn't he? And some of the, definitely some of the players haven't helped him with it. Uh, why that is, I don't know. Have you lost respect for, it? for the manager? There's, you know, there's a saying, you know, if you lose the dressing room, you know, Lenny, you can only manage by consent. It's a lot of things as a site, you know, policing's by consent, government's by consent. You know, if he has lost the dressing room and they no longer respect him and are willing to carry out what he asked them to carry out. You know, whether that's turning up fit, whether it's, you know, obeying the law in re- relation to COVID, whether it may come down to carrying out his instructions on the pitch. Well, you know, the, the big thing for me and a Celtic state of mind, it's all about sharing views and opinions, but we all have the same goal in mind, Lawrence, and that goal is obviously to continue um, on this incredible domestic run that, that we've that we've been on for the last nine years and um, you know everything that we say isn't to disrupt anything it's not to agitate but um, if there is an issue and we've seen it in the past with regards to managers where it's just not working it needs to be resolved and I'm pretty sure and I think this is what I said um, if there is a plan in place for post-Lenin then you know it, it may not be possible to bring that forward to now and for that to be an interim situation. So there's a lot to consider and what would happen between now and the end of the season if any change was made. It would be an interim situation nope. rather than the permanent one. I think any business has got to kind of have their, their, their plans in place for the, for the future. But they've also got to have emergency plans in place as well. You know, it's, it, these are things that I think the people that run in Celtic should have you know, what if plans, what if this happens, what if we need to make a change? It They won't be doing it on the back of a five pack or on a whim, will they? There'll have been some kind of thought in the road, right, if we need to change, this is what we'll be looking for, this is what we need. If it is, you know, if Lenny sees out the season and they decide, you know, that's uh, time to move on with, you know, a whole different change kind of in the coaching and the structure and the management of the club, there may be, may be already a, a plan in place for that. Uh, could it be, you know, some of the loss, if there is a loss of respect, would it be like a lame duck president? People knowing that his days are numbered. There's a lot of factors at play, isn't there? You know? Oh, there certainly is. Um, now, we do get contacted on the, li- the live broadcast, Lawrence, but um, also beyond that, and we got a really great email from Dennis Doherty from Mandura in Western Australia, a big Celtic fan. Uh, who I bumped into back in 2017 at one of the Celtic Graves commemorations for Joe Dodds. And it was great to get an email from him. And I showed you that today, some brilliant points in there. Uh, but it's going to take a wee bit longer to expand on some of the points, Dennis. So we will be introducing that and some of the aspects of your email to a wider audience at some point over the next few days. Uh, we're looking at Thursday night, we're looking obviously at the shape. I think we've both agreed, Lawrence, that we need to try and show it up with, uh, you know, changing from the back three. And as soon as you do that, the whole shape of the the rest of the team obviously uh, changes. But Chris Sutton was looking at, his former self, Chris Sutton was looking at the strikers and he was looking at uh, the fact that uh, obviously some of the strikers he feels were were letting the side down as well. Um, 
I've I've started with Griff up there. I'm hoping that Edward's back on the bench. I'm not 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 going to write off Barkas, and I'm not going to write off a Yeti. Why yep. would I? I mean, these these two guys have been quality signings for Celtic, and um, although I yet played poorly, I, I feel against Aberdeen. So when I'm looking up front, I actually think that we're we're healthy up front. We're healthy in midfield, and the only concerns that I have is with the defensive issues, which obviously have been compounded by all the injuries. But um, when it comes to Chris Sutton's comments about strikers, I don't have any concerns about our strikers. No, I, I think Griff's coming back from. Injury, you know, he's had these troubles as well. Yeah, it's been a good signing. Eddie's got the most potential any player at the club, I'd say. You know, we've got Paddy, he's, you know, he's, he's a fourth choice striker. He should be okay for, you know, games in the SPL, shouldn't he? But when called upon, his fourth choice. I think we're, we're well covered. I think the recruitment and the, and the striking department's, you know, what's there for the manager to pick for is definitely good. There's a lot of talk actually on the, the live broadcast, Lawrence, uh, around uh, other potential managers. And, you know, I just think at this stage, uh, it's, nothing's going to happen right now. Nothing's going to happen in, in that respect. That's the kind of feeling I'm getting from Celtic Park. Um, I think the next two games, though, I think the next two games are vital. I was criticised at half time against Aberdeen for saying that Neil Lennon had 45 minutes to save his job. I was criticised heavily for that. And um, when I'm looking at that, what would have been the situation had we not pulled that back and then obviously lost the lead? It would have been a situation, Lawrence, where we would have lost three games in a row for the first time since 1994. Yep. Um, Now, when you say he's got 45 minutes to, to save his job, it's not based on the Aberdeen result. It's not even based on the three results that I'm talking about, Rangers, Milan and Aberdeen. It's based on the dysfunctional nature of Celtic's team all season. That's what it's based on. It's based on the fact that for some reason, even though we've strengthened the personnel, the team looks worse than it did last season. Now, we've got the the normal progression of certain players getting to certain ages, but other than, you know, Scott Brown, we don't have many players, if any others, over the age of 30. We've got some players who are 28, such as Shane Duffy and um, Tom Rogic, but we've got a fairly young squad. So I don't subscribe to the fact that a year on, we're all of a sudden a, a worse team who have regressed. I don't think it's the personnel who have regressed. I think it's the way that um, the coaching staff have changed, and that includes Neil Lennon. And, you know, I think we're going to be sitting here next week on Tuesday next week, Lawrence. Um, we've got two further games under our belt by that stage. And this is a discussion if the performances and the results don't improve that we're going to have to have again. Yeah, I think if there's not so much the result on Thursday, I think we need the performance then. But the cup game's all about the result, isn't it? If we get the wrong result then, that's the, the domestic cup run gone. That's the fourth treble in the gun. It puts a different complexion and stuff, doesn't it? And it's... I think everybody's... I'm not so worried about Europe this season, but then you're looking and going, well, that's domestic. It's three big challenges with had and if we're up you know it'd be, we haven't won any of them if we don't beat Aberdeen uh, in a cup game and I think I think that that's now a massive game for Lenny what I've seen in the last two games against Milan and Aberdeen I think the performances had improved versus the previous game hopefully the team can continue 
improvement in performances. We've got some players coming back in now that are returning to the team. That, that definitely, even I think Tom Rogers, you, you know, against Milan when he came on, he, he looked good. You know, you could see what we were missing. He's got a bit of trickery. He was linking up well with Christie. We're starting to get options back, aren't we? Yeah. Well, with with the returning players, that's exactly what we're going to be. Uh, face with Lawrence and that, that was the reason why we were shouting for Griffiths and Roderick to get back into the, the squad yep. for options and by the way we're now at a situation with a couple of injuries down the line a couple of players missing through illness and we need Roderick and Griffiths and a few weeks back you know we were actually looking at a situation where Griffiths was nowhere to be seen Roderick was talking about leaving the club yeah Roderick uh, I think the word was he was unhappy with his game time and it looked as if he'd been sold for 4 million quid yeah and then it comes on against Milan. He's one of the the bright spots in that game, shall we say? He was, he was, I. And then on Sunday, I mean, I, I listened to Neil Lennon's comments after the game, and he praised Roderick to the hilt. Um, I thought he was fairly anonymous, but he, he set up two of the goals, so you can't <laughs> criticise him. Two assists. He got two assists, and I'll tell you what: if you're going to have a player, you know, creating two goals every game he plays, um, but that's again, a bad game for you, two assists. Yeah, I, I know, I know. But I, I've actually, I don't have him in, in my starting lineup because it's all about shape. I think it's all about getting a balance uh, on Thursday night. And Christie is the man for me who will sit in behind Griffiths. But I mean, he feeds, you you noticed that even at the weekend there, he feeds like salt and he feeds Frimpong. Yeah. You know, he's all over the park there and he's obviously looking to create for the striker as well. He definitely brings in energy, doesn't he? He does. He's relentless for the time he's on the, on the park, doesn't he? It's just non-stop mm-hmm. and... I think we need players in there that, that keep the rest of the teammates going, keep the ball moving. Because, you know, at times we are too ponderous as a team, we're too slow to build, and I think Ryan keeps the momentum in the team. Does he? he certainly does. And, you know, he was one of the players, along with Ayer, that Celtic fans uh, were of the view that may be agitating for a move. Neil Lennon uh, came out after the Ferenc Varos game talking about players who were pushing for moves away from Celtic Park that didn't want to be there. They're two of our best performance, uh, performers at the moment. I, I would say both. I mean, I think we've always known Ayer's going to move on. I think Christy fancies a, a crack at the EPL. I, I don't see any problem with, with players if, if that's what they want. But when they're on the park, I've never seen either of them give less than 100%. Which is all we can ask the players to give us everything they have when they play. It's, you know, if, if their ambitions lie away for Celtic Park, you know, we're happy. I, you know, when we sell players that want to move on, we, we sell them for money. It lets us redevelop. We know as a club that's got to be one of the, the targets of Celtic to bring in transfer income. Because we don't have the big TV income. No, no. So we can't do that without moving players on. Players aren't, Clubs aren't going to pay you money for people that are sitting on your bench or not even in the squad. So it's, it's going to be first-teamers that we're going to lose, isn't it? And in general, they're going to be your better players. I think that's one that, uh, for a couple of reasons, um, hopefully we don't have to face that dilemma again in January, uh, Lawrence. I would understand, you know, you're looking at the uh, the results, the financial results, and you're looking forward to the next set of results and what's going to happen globally, uh, financially, between now and then uh, is something we might have to face in terms of uh, selling off assets and the biggest assets. Um, are players that, I mean, you, you mentioned Edward and we didn't say he was worth £40 million. There was talk of £30, £40 million. You'd struggle to get anywhere near that under the, the current uh, yep. financial situation. So Celtic have, have been very patient. So, you know, it's probably best for the players as well because they're not going to get the same deals. They're not going to have the same clubs in, in, interested in them at this moment in time. But where will the club be a year down the line financially? It's going to be a concern for every football club. I think you've, 
you touched the January transfer window. Yeah. And hopefully, I think performances will, will have improved. We should at least still be in the run for 10 in a row. So I don't think the club will be looking to cash in on anyone then. We might be looking to bring someone in. You never know. After this season's over... Centre half. Oof, centre half. Who's Once everybody's get, fit, Lawrence. Who's you know. going to get fit? That's the thing. I think recruitment's been good, hasn't Julien it? is my concern. That's why I'm throwing it in there. Not yeah. because of Duffy. Julien's injury, uh, like all injuries, came out of nowhere, but it seems more... Uh, serious than first thought he's getting sent yeah. to Germany for surgery and we don't know at this moment how long he's going to be out we've already got long term absences and um, Forrest and, and Johnson uh, Johnson's got to be close to coming back he's he? bound to be close I mean he started training a couple of weeks ago yeah. um, and again a brilliant option when he does come back yeah. as will Forrest be Forrest is missed and you know he gets a lot of criticism but he, he has been missed uh, Julien is on that long term injury list so that that's why I'm throwing in centre half again well kind of two years back up centre half Speton and El Hamid have also unfortunately been unavailable mm-hmm. recently due to injury and, and, and Covid uh, so what's Simunovic doing sorry we'll pack oh, that one for next week I'm just um, surprised with you it wasn't Benkovic oh no <laughs> god I uh, Adam Crockett final point Griff is the best set piece taker in Scotland Totally agree with Adam. And on Thursday night, what I would actually do is I'd, I'd make sure Griffiths is taking the corners and the free kicks. Yep. Let Christie concentrate on his game. Because uh, it's the one aspect of his game that, that can frustrate us, I think, sometimes. So we're looking ahead to Thursday, Lawrence. I think it's been fairly positive today. It's not all been doom and gloom. Yep. Uh, you'll be joining us again next week and uh, we can confirm uh, if you're coming in on Sunday as well to watch the game with us Lawrence but it's always a pleasure thanks everybody for getting involved with the comments um, there's been a lot of uh, abuse over the last couple of weeks if you notice any of that on the comments please um, you know, flag it up to me it's not always possible for me to see that whilst we're doing a broadcast and we'll block anyone if necessary uh, but all that's left for me to say Lawrence Conley is thank you again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind thanks for having me keep the faith Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.